don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. Bitcoin is a new form of life that exists entirely in the digital realm. That is what we are going to talk about today, along with the network effects and so many other amazing things about the Bitcoin architecture. This is the Crypto Economy, and I am Guy Swan. We are continuing from yesterday's episode uh, on Money, Bitcoin, and Time by Robert Breedlove. We are finishing out the Bitcoin section, and we are starting back in with a new form of life. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. A new form of life. Although Bitcoin is intended to be a monetary technology, it is totally unique compared to other forms of money. Ralph Merkel, famous cryptographer and inventor of the Merkle tree data structure, has a remarkable way of describing Bitcoin. Quote, Bitcoin is the first example of a new form of life. It lives and breathes on the internet. It lives because it can pay people to keep it alive. It lives because it performs a useful service that people will pay it to perform. It lives because anyone, anywhere, can run a copy of its code. It lives because all the running copies are constantly talking to each other. It lives because if any one copy is corrupted, it is discarded quickly and without any fuss or muss. It lives because it is radically transparent. Anyone can see its code and see exactly what it does. It cannot be changed. It can't be argued with. It can't be tampered with. It can't be corrupted. It can't be stopped. It can't even be interrupted. If nuclear war destroyed half of our planet, it would continue to live uncorrupted. It would continue to offer its services. It would continue to pay people to keep it alive. The only way to shut it down is to kill every server that hosts it, which is hard because a lot of servers host it in a lot of countries and a lot of people want to use it. Realistically, the only way to kill it is to make the service it offers so useless and obsolete that no one wants to use it. So obsolete that no one wants to pay for it, no one wants to host it. Then it will have no money to pay anyone. And then it will starve to death. But as long as there are people who want to use it, it's very hard to kill or corrupt or stop or interrupt. End quote. Bitcoin is a technology, like the hammer or the wheel, that survives for the very same reason any other technology survives. It provides benefits to those who use it. It can be understood as a spontaneously emergent protocol that serves as a new form of uninflatable money and an unstoppable payments channel. Structurally, the Bitcoin network reflects a quintessential manifestation commonly found in nature. The Decentralized Network Archetype The Bitcoin network mirrors one of the most successful evolutionary structures found in nature. The Decentralized Network Archetype Graphic with eight images, and they demonstrate the incredible similarity in architecture and form of multiple things that are on such vastly different scales and seem so unrelated that the commonalities seem a little insane. So I definitely recommend, if you have not seen this image, um, uh, to definitely go to the actual paper and check this out. But the images are uh, from the top left, uh, the human heart, lightning, the human brain, a fungal mycelium network, roots from a tree, an aerial view of the Grand Canyon, branches from a tree, and a cosmic web of galactic superclusters in the deep universe. 
which is the largest observable structure in the known universe at over a billion light years across. And the fact that these things, some of the smallest or largest scales imaginable, that they share structure and organization and form is truly remarkable. All right, back to the paper. The decentralized network archetype is prevalent in nature because it is one of the most energy-efficient structures possible. Energy is the fundamental commodity of the universe, and nature always optimizes for its utilization. Atoms, bubbles, and stars, in a state of equilibrium, always form spherical shapes, which is the most energy-efficient form for minimizing surface area, precisely because they are energy conservation structures. Minimal surface area output per unit of energy input ensures that these structures optimally expend the finite energy of which they are composed. Spheres are figures of equilibrium with equal distribution of their own inherent energy. Conversely, decentralized networks always form in these tendrilled, circuitous, and redundant shapes which is the most energy-efficient form of maximizing surface area, precisely because they are energy exchange structures. Maximal surface area output per unit of energy input ensures that these structures achieve the highest degree of spatial exposure to optimize the likelihood of successful exchange, whether their purpose is pumping blood, imbibing groundwater, or seeking sunlight. Spheres and decentralized networks are antithetical in purpose and archetype. Decentralized networks are figures of disequilibrium which both disperse and gather energy within their environments. A decentralized form in organic systems confers advantages such as distributed intelligence, invulnerability to singular attack vectors, and accelerated adaptivity. The decentralized network archetype found in nature is the antecedent to paradigm-shifting innovations throughout history, such as the railroad system, the telegraph, the telephone, the power distribution grid, the internet, social media, and now Bitcoin. To illustrate the power of this natural archetype, let's consider the story behind the design of the Tokyo subway system. Scientists conducted an experiment where an ancient fungus, the slime mold, was incentivized to recreate the Tokyo subway system. Each subway stop or node was marked with oat flakes, the favorite food of the slime mold. In a single day, the slime mold grew to connect all the subway stops in a more energetically efficient design than that proposed by the Central Planning Committee of Engineers who spent many months at great expense to the Japanese government in the design process. As the scientists later reported, quote, Transport networks are ubiquitous in both social and biological systems. Robust network performance involves a complex trade-off involving cost, transport efficiency, and fault tolerance. Biological networks have been honed by many cycles of evolutionary selection pressure and are likely to yield reasonable solutions to such combinatorial optimization problems. Furthermore, they develop without centralized control and may represent a readily scalable solution for growing networks in general. We show that the slime mold, Physarum polycephalum, forms networks with comparable efficiency, fault tolerance, and cost to those of real-world infrastructure networks, in this case, the Tokyo Rail System. The core mechanisms needed for adaptive network formation can be captured in a biologically inspired mathematical model that may be useful to guide network construction in other domains. End quote. In a similar vein, Bitcoin and its network participants receive signals from the market to create features that satisfy unmet demands or improve the functionality of its network. When block space demand exceeds capacity, as it did in late 2017, Transaction fees spike and encouraged the development of a second-layer protocol to increase transaction throughput, the Lightning Network discussed earlier. 
As rent-seeking businesses like Western Union continue charging exorbitant fees for international remittances, market demand shifts to Bitcoin's much more cost-effective and permissionless payment channel. When governments crack down on Bitcoin exchanges, trading volume on peer-to-peer exchanges like LocalBitcoins.com flourishes. To enhance Bitcoin network accessibility, Blockstream launches satellites that provide global coverage for node synchronization. The Bitcoin network is constantly adapting to optimize for its own expansion and the interconnectedness of its participants. Perhaps Bitcoin is less so digital gold and more so digital slime mold. Just kidding. Or am I? In most forms of life, genes are only passed from parent to offspring in a process called vertical gene transfer. Certain fungal networks, which are modeled after the decentralized network archetype, are able to steal competitive advantages directly from physical contact with other similar organisms in a process called horizontal gene transfer. These fungal networks can grow to gargantuan sizes, indeed the largest organism on Earth, at nearly four kilometers across, is a honey fungus in Oregon that is slowly consuming an entire forest. Fungal networks live in constant competition as they fight off predators, pests, and pollutants. This environmental stress causes them to naturally synthesize a variety of enzymatic and chemical countermeasures, and when one of these measures is successful, it is stored in the distributed mind of the entire fungal network. The next time it encounters a menace for which it has even once synthesized an effective countermeasure, the fungal network will use it to neutralize the threat no matter where the latest encounter occurs. Amazingly, these fungal networks are capable of absorbing countermeasures created by competitors in the same ecosystem, purely from physical contact. Such organisms exhibit distributed intelligence, meaning they learn at the edges and distribute the lessons throughout their vast networks. There's a common misconception that an alternative crypto asset could develop a superior feature that will eventually outcompete Bitcoin. Similar to certain fungal networks, Bitcoin is able to subsume features that have been proven in the marketplace from crypto asset competitors. For example, an alternative crypto asset called Basic Attention Token, or BAT, is designed to power an internet browser called Brave that allows users to shield themselves from advertisements. Brave users are then given the option to open their browsing sessions up to advertisements and are paid in BAT for their attention. This blockchain-based digital advertising solution is intended to allow users to monetize their own attention, whereas in most browsers, advertising revenues are allocated mostly to the content publishers. Given Bitcoin's open-source nature, it is able to absorb competitive features like this in a process similar to horizontal gene transfer. Today, by using the Lightning Jewel browser extension and running a Bitcoin full node, you can perform browser-based microtransactions similar to BAT, but using Bitcoin instead. This effectively eliminates the need for a crypto asset like BAT. Further, the technologies combined to make Bitcoin all came from previous attempts at digital cash, reiterating the point that open-source software is amenable to feature absorption. This ability accelerates the adaptivity of the Bitcoin network and insulates it from competitive disruption, which further reinforces its position as the market leader. Anti-fragility Seeing the ubiquity of the decentralized network archetype throughout nature in this way makes the invention of decentralized digital money seem less novel and more inevitable. An open and decentralized nature also enables Bitcoin to benefit from adversity. In light of its track record, Bitcoin is an excellent incarnation of Nassim Taleb's concept of anti-fragility. Quote, Wind extinguishes a candle and energizes fire. Some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors 
and love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet, in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let us call it anti-fragile. This property is behind everything that is changed with time, evolution, culture, ideas, revolutions, political systems, technological innovation, cultural and economic success, corporate survival, good recipes, the rise of cities, legal systems, equatorial forests, bacterial resistance, even our own existence as a species on this planet. End quote. Fragility can be defined as sensitivity to disorder, whereas robustness is insensitivity to disorder. Antifragility is a property of anything that benefits from disorder, stress, or adversity. The many failed attempts at killing Bitcoin thus far have only made it stronger by drawing attention to attack vectors or vulnerabilities that its global team of self-interested, volunteer programmers can then fix. These improvements have only increased the network's operational efficiency. Also, each time it withstands an external attack or a chain fork, as we are witnessing with the abject failure of Bitcoin Cash, its reputation for network security and immutability is strengthened. The resiliency of Bitcoin is hardened by hostility. As Bitcoin has fluctuated wildly in price over the years, each new crash has triggered widespread declarations of its demise. Over 330 prominent articles declaring the death of Bitcoin, known as Bitcoin obituaries, have been written over the past 10 years. These publicity attacks on Bitcoin brought it to the attention of ever wider audiences. As obituaries intensified, Bitcoin's network processing power, transaction volume, and market capitalization all continued to ascend relentlessly, a confirmatory example of the saying, all publicity is good publicity. When China took a heavy-handed approach to regulation by shutting down Bitcoin exchanges in 2017, we witnessed several informal exchanges and OTC markets appear following the demise of each centralized exchange. Although the liquidity for Bitcoin was negatively impacted initially, soon transactions started happening off-exchange in China, with volume on websites like localbitcoins.com exploding. The regulatory attack also encouraged people to hold Bitcoin for longer periods, as evidenced by a steep decline in sell volumes, which only reduced the amount of Bitcoin being traded and put upward pressure on its price. Also, these regulatory actions backfired by triggering the Streisand effect, which is a phenomenon whereby an attempt to hide, remove, or censor information is the unintended consequence of publicizing the information more widely, usually facilitated by the internet. As the world watched the situation in China unfold, both the Bitcoin price and global internet searches for the term Bitcoin reached new all-time highs. Bitcoin's Positive Feedback Loop All of the adversity Bitcoin has faced so far has only fed its growth. Absent any top-down authority, Bitcoin is organic in the sense that it has grown from the bottom up based solely on its own merits as money. Bitcoin perpetuates the expansion of its network and maintains truthful records by relying on asymmetric economic incentives that make fraud far costlier than its potential rewards. Network participants are all rewarded economically for their interactions with Bitcoin, which creates a flywheel effect on its price and network security. As the Bitcoin price rises, mining becomes more profitable, and more capital expenditure goes into mining. Bitcoin's network then becomes more secure, which increases its demand as a store of value, which causes the Bitcoin price to rise, and thus mining becomes more profitable, etc., etc. 
As the Bitcoin network adapts to better meet the demands of its constituents, it in turn recruits more network participants. This positive feedback loop promotes the sustained growth of its network and fuels powerful, multi-sided network effects. Bitcoin's Network Effects Bitcoin's meteoric growth has been both supported and protected by its unique multi-sided network effects. The basic example of a powerful one-sided network effect is a social network or a telephone network as outlined earlier. The more people on the social network, the more valuable it is for others to be on it, as there are exponentially more possible connections. It can, however, be disrupted by a competitor that provides a more valuable service to its single customer cohort, the users, who might then transition to the new service, as happened when Facebook disrupted MySpace. Successful two-sided markets, like eBay or Craigslist, are significantly more difficult to disrupt. Consumers want to be there because merchants are there, and merchants want to be there because consumers are there. To disrupt a two-sided network, you have to simultaneously introduce a superior value proposition for both parties, otherwise nobody moves. That is why Craigslist, despite its limited innovation over the years, has been able to leverage its early two-sided lead and is still a dominant website today. Bitcoin has a unique four-sided network effect that insulates it from disruption and supports its growth. These are the four constituencies that participate in expanding the value of Bitcoin as a result of their own self-interested interaction with its network. Consumers who pay with Bitcoin. Merchants who accept Bitcoin. Nodes that maintain the distributed ledger. Developers and entrepreneurs who are building onto and on top of Bitcoin. This four-sided network effect makes Bitcoin's first-mover advantage seemingly indomitable. As an adaptive monetary technology, its network effects encompass the liquidity of its market the number of network participants, the community of software developers who support it, and Bitcoin's brand awareness. Large investors will always seek the most liquid market for ease of entry and exit. Consumers, merchants, and developers tend to join the largest of each of their respective Bitcoin communities, which only reinforces their social interconnectivity and cohesion. Brand awareness is innately self-reinforcing as any crypto asset competitor will inevitably be mentioned in comparison to Bitcoin. As an aside on Bitcoin's brand awareness, as we have learned, the value of any money is derived from its social consensus, or the mutual beliefs of its users. The notion of a, quote, believer has religious connotations, as the notion of one having an epiphany wants the truth is revealed. Such religious undertones are prevalent in most forms of money, in God we trust on the U.S. dollar, and they are also part of Bitcoin's aura, the Genesis block, Bitcoin evangelists. The most important of these quasi-religious ideas is the mythological bedrock Nakamoto laid with his enigmatic appearance in 2008 and then with his mysterious disappearance three years later. Whoever he, she, or they were, Nakamoto gave Bitcoin its creation myth. As market strategist Nicholas Kolas said, quote, In business, creation stories reinforce the role of the individual as a societal agent of change and speak to the core audience of customers. They are the bedrock for what marketers call a brand and the source waters for Wall Street's shareholder value. End quote. Assuming Nakamoto was a lone wolf, it is arguable that his disappearance transformed him from a person into a mythological figure. This mystery fuels the brand awareness of Bitcoin and reinforces its quality of decentralization, as there is no single individual to vilify, denigrate, or otherwise target in an attempt to tarnish Bitcoin's symbolism. Like a superhero with a secret identity, all we have is the icon of Nakamoto 
as a cryptic genius, the godhead of Bitcoin. As we have learned, the value of a network is a reflection of the total number of possible connections it allows. Therefore, each new Bitcoin owner increases the value of the Bitcoin network, which benefits all existing owners. This new owner is then incentivized to evangelize the benefit of Bitcoin to others, creating the next wave of new owners, and the cycle continues. As the price increases, so too do the incentives to secure the network, which draws in more capital expenditure from miners, making Bitcoin's network effects even stronger and self-reinforcing as price appreciation reflexively energizes Bitcoin's positive feedback loop outlined earlier. Since money is a social network, the price of a monetary good is a reflection of how widely adopted it has become or is expected to become. The price of a monetary good in excess of its industrial demand is its monetary premium. This is the only rational basis for the common criticism that Bitcoin is a bubble, as it is purely a monetary technology and has no industrial demand whatsoever. However, this premium is the defining characteristic of all forms of money, as all monetary value is based on the optionality it gives its users for exchange across scales, space, and time. Actual bubbles occur when price exceeds fair value, such as the market distortions created by central bank monetary manipulation. However, some mistake monetary premia for bubbles since they cause prices of monetary goods to exceed their underlying industrial values. If monetary premia are bubbles, then money is the bubble that never pops. Paradoxically, in this sense, a monetary technology can presently be both a bubble and significantly undervalued if it later achieves widespread adoption. Although there is no established price pattern for a digital good that is becoming monetized, Bitcoin's price appears to follow a fractal, a recursive self-similar shape, wave pattern of increasing magnitude commensurate with its level of user adoption. The volatility of this price pattern is exacerbated by Bitcoin's perfect price inelasticity of supply, as discussed earlier. Each iteration of the fractal wave pattern appears to match the standard shape of the Gartner hype cycle, which provides a graphical and conceptual representation of emerging technologies undergoing five phases of maturation. Bitcoin's growth in the terms of price and transactions has been dramatic, to say the least. Indeed, it is the fastest growing asset in history. Its price has gone from $0.00094 on October 5, 2009, in its first recorded transaction, to about $4,000 today, a total increase of over 400 million percent in 10 years. By its 10th birthday, Bitcoin had processed about 1.38 trillion U.S. dollars worth of transactions, with USD value calculated at the time of each transaction. Here we show Bitcoin's entire price history from a logarithmic perspective, with the Gartner hype cycle fractal wave pattern iterations located inside boxes. These extreme price cycles draw in new Bitcoin owners as each fractal wave crests. Some of these new owners buy in near the peak, only to be crushed in the trough. Most will capitulate, but those who remain because of their long-term conviction in Bitcoin, typically the most studious of history and monetary evolution among them, become the newest holders of last resort. Hodl, which began as a chatroom typo in the early days of Bitcoin, has morphed into a mimetic phrase that denotes holding Bitcoin long-term without regard to its price volatility. Layers of these stubborn holders have been added throughout each of Bitcoin's four major price cycles. A good proxy for the depth of these layers is the lowest price Bitcoin hits each year, which indicates the rising collective obstinacy of these holders. Lowest price in 2012 was $4. Lowest in 2013 was 65 
200 in 2014, 185 in 2015, 365 in 2016, 780 in 2017, and 3,200 in 2018. These layers form the base for the next iteration of each fractal wave pattern. As more observers recognize the survivability of Bitcoin following each price crash, they realize that investing in it may not be as risky as they once thought. This larger base of believers sets the stage for the next iteration of the fractal wave pattern, which will support a much larger set of newcomers at a far greater magnitude of peak price. Few people are able to accurately predict how high prices will go in each fractal wave cycle, and they usually reach levels that would seem absurd to most investors at the earliest stages of the cycle. The best proxy for the timing of these fractal wave patterns has been the quadrennial Bitcoin inflation rate adjustment, when the amount of new Bitcoin rewarded at the close of each block is reduced by half, an event commonly known as the halving. Historically, Bitcoin achieves a new all-time high price within 18 months of its last halving. The next halving will occur in May 2020. The fractal wave patterns inevitably crescendo and begin to crash, usually attributed to myriad factors by mainstream media. However, the Gartner hype cycle is an archetypal market pricing pattern that is driven entirely by human psychology, game theory, and the ultimate exhaustion of market participants reachable in each iteration. The magnitude of each cycle is exacerbated by Bitcoin's absolutely fixed supply schedule, as increases in demand are expressed exclusively through its price, which historically leads to market frenzies at each peak. The long game for Bitcoin and its final fractal wave pattern will begin when and if central banks begin accumulating it as a reserve asset. More on this later. In this way, the bedrock of the Bitcoin network's expansion is the intransigency of its holders of last resort. Although they constitute a small minority of the whole, these stubborn holders will contribute to ongoing Bitcoin adoption in a meaningful way. Minority rule. All right, I'm going to take a quick break and get something to drink. We will hit our sponsor, but this is one of my favorite sections, so after our break, we'll jump right back in. Minority rule. When it comes to group preferences, certain types of minorities, those who stubbornly insist on a particular preference, that constitute even a small level of the total population, often less than 4%, can cause the majority to submit to their preferences. Another clever concept from Nassim Taleb, called the minority rule, is the result of complex system dynamics like those inherent to human interaction. The nature of complex systems, like society, is that the collective behaves in a way not predicted by its individual constituents, the people. The interactions between its constituents matter more than their individual natures. Studying individual ants will never give us an idea on how an ant colony operates. For that, one needs to understand an ant colony as an ant colony, not just a collection of ants. This is called an emergent property of the whole. In other words, the whole is more than the sum of its parts because what matters is the interactions between the parts. These interactions, while complex, can obey simple rules, like the minority rule, or the rule that barter economies settle on a medium of exchange, or that the hardest form of money always outcompetes. Many domains are impacted by the minority rule, such as Markets Market prices are not the consensus of market participants, but instead reflect the activities of the most motivated buyers and sellers. In 2008, a single $50 billion order, less than 0.2% of the stock market's total value of about $30 trillion, 
caused the market to drop by almost 10%, causing losses of around $3 trillion. The order was activated by the Parisian bank Société Générale, who discovered a hidden trade by a rogue trader and wanted to reverse the purchase. The market reacted disproportionately because there was only a desire to sell and no way to change the stubborn seller's mind. Science Similar to markets, science is not the consensus of scientists. It is the minority body of knowledge remaining after removing disproven hypotheses. Law A law-abiding citizen will never commit criminal acts, but a criminal will readily engage in legal acts, and criminal behavior has been shown to be contagious within certain social groups. Imports In the United Kingdom, where the practicing Muslim population is only around 4%, a very high proportion of the meat we find is halal, or kosher. Close to 70% of lamb imports from New Zealand are halal. The same population and import proportions hold true in South Africa. The case of imports is closely related to the example below. Today, in the United States and Europe, companies are selling more and more non-GMO food precisely because of the minority rule. Given the possibility of food containing GMOs, food not bearing the label non-GMO may be assumed by some to contain GMOs, which, according to the minority, contain unknown risks. People who eat GMO food will readily eat non-GMO food, but not the reverse. Assuming the price and distribution cost differences between GMO and non-GMO are sufficiently small, and the intransigent minority is distributed somewhat evenly throughout the population, this will have the effect of disproportionately increasing the demand for non-GMO food in the long run. This dynamic of scale can be explained quantitatively. In mathematical physics, renormalization groups are an apparatus that allow us to see how things scale up or down. Here we show how the minority rule can renormalize the preferences of the majority. Our graphic depicts Three vertically stacked large boxes, each representing one sequential step in the minority rule renormalization process. Four medium boxes in each step, each representing a family of four. And then four smaller boxes contained within each medium box, each representing an individual member within each family of four. Assuming that in step one, the daughter in the family of four is the intransigent minority, the small pink box, who eats only non-GMO food. As we move to step two, the group renormalizes as the stubborn daughter manages to impose her rule on her three family members, who are now all pink. As they are flexible on the matter, and consistency simplifies their grocery shopping and administrative process. In step three, the family of four goes to a backyard barbecue attended by three other families. As their family is known for their strict eating habits, the host will only serve non-GMO food as the other families are flexible and consistency simplifies the food preparation process, thereby making all four families, which are now all pink, adopt the minority rule originally set by the intransigent daughter in step one. This minority rule will continue imposing and proliferating itself as these families attend other social events, which gradually shifts customer preferences in the neighborhood and eventually causes the local grocery store to switch to non-GMO foods to simplify its procurement processes, which impacts the local wholesaler, and so on up the supply chain. The real-world result of this dynamic is the preferences of 4% of a population practicing Muslims, driving the market preferences of 70% of their respective populations in the UK, New Zealand, and South Africa. As we can see, the minority rule spreads by interaction and renormalizes the entire group to conform with its preferences. Its proliferation is accelerated if there are incentives to switch, low switching costs, or anticipated future benefits from switching. 
as superiorly hard digital cash money, Bitcoin offers all three. In this example, a minority constituting 6.3% of the total population imposed its rules on the majority using pure intransigence. In reality, the minority rule often takes effect when minorities become 4% or less of the total population. Languages also often adhere to the minority rule. For instance, French was originally intended to be the language of diplomacy as civil servants from aristocratic backgrounds used it, while English was reserved for those engaged in commerce. In the rivalry between the two languages, which are still considered two of the international languages, a third, Spanish, was added later because of its widespread use, English won as commerce came to dominate modern life. This gives us some intuition as to how the emergence of lingua franca languages, those commonly spoken across cultures, can come from minority rules. As Taleb puts it, quote, Aramaic is a Semitic language which succeeded Canaanite, that is, Phoenician Hebrew, in the Levant, and resembles Arabic. It was the language Jesus Christ spoke. The reason it came to dominate the Levant and Egypt isn't because of any particular imperial Semitic power or the fact that they have interesting noses. It was the Persians, who speak an Indo-European language, who spread Aramaic, the language of Assyria, Syria, and Babylon. Persians taught Egyptians a language that was not their own. Simply, when the Persians invaded Babylon, they found an administration with scribes who could only use Aramaic and didn't know Persian. So Aramaic became the state language. If your secretary can only take dictation in Aramaic, Aramaic is what you will use. This led to the oddity of Aramaic being used in Mongolia, as records were maintained in the Syriac alphabet. Syriac is the eastern dialect of Aramaic. And centuries later, the story would repeat itself in reverse, with the Arabs using Greek in their early administration in the 7th and 8th centuries. For during the Hellenistic era, Greek replaced Aramaic as the lingua franca in the Levant and the scribes of Damascus maintained their records in Greek. It was not the Greeks who spread Greek around the Mediterranean. Alexander, himself not Greek but Macedonian and spoke a different dialect of Greek, did not lead to an immediate deep cultural Hellenization. It was the Romans who accelerated the spreading of Greek as they used it in their administration across the Eastern Empire. End quote. There is an asymmetry that those who do not have English as their first language usually know basic English, but native English speakers knowing other languages is less likely. If a meeting is taking place in an international office in, say, Istanbul among 20 executives from a sufficiently international corporation and one of the attendees does not speak Turkish, then the entire meeting will be run in English, the commercial lingua franca. This is the minority rule in action. Money is an emergent property, as it is an expected result of complex human interactions within a barter economy. Similar to language, it is a means of expression, only it is used to express value instead of information or emotion. The U.S. dollar is the lingua franca of money today as it belongs to one of the world's largest economies, an economy which also happens to effectively control the global banking system. As the digital age matures and the world becomes increasingly interconnected, ever more commerce and administration will be conducted over the Internet. Also, fully interconnected trade networks will level the terrain of commerce and increase free market competition among different forms of money. Considering the significant market lead already enjoyed by Bitcoin, its superior hardness, its multi-sided network effects, the impotency of capital controls on digital cash, and the winner-take-all dynamic inherent to monetary competition, it's likely that Bitcoin will continue to outcompete and its adoption rate will increase.
By considering the application of the minority rule to adoption of Bitcoin in the digital age, we can reasonably expect the following. Point. Once a sufficient minority of the world's population, say 4% or less, have realized the advantages of hard money and digital cash money, their intransigent hoarding of Bitcoin will drive its price upward, Gresham's Law, and begin imposing itself economically on all other holders of money in the world. This will put downward price pressure on government fiat money, further accelerating Bitcoin's adoption rate and drastically improving Bitcoin's chances for global acceptance over the long run. Point. As the first natively digital form of cash money, Bitcoin will become the lingua franca of digital commerce and the dominant value exchange protocol, thereby capturing nearly all the value transacted online. E-commerce alone is estimated to be nearly $5 trillion annually by the year 2021, over the long run. Point. Bitcoin may also become the base layer for other tools of cryptographic certainty in commerce, such as smart contracts and trustnet applications. More on these later. The minority rule is based on a fundamental asymmetry between the intransigence of the minority and the flexibility of the majority. The minority rule shows us that a small number of unyielding people with skin or soul in the game can change the shape of the majority. Bitcoin already has the advantage of being the hardest form of money ever invented, and its rules are immutable, which is the highest form of intransigency possible. It also has unrivaled brand awareness, fed by the mystery of its creation myth and the support of free market fanatics all over the world. Once its obstinate minority reaches a certain size, the unbreakable rules of Bitcoin will begin to stubbornly impose themselves on the established economic order. In the words of Margaret Mead, quote, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. End quote. A superior species of money. Bitcoin also introduces three new traits of money never before seen. Censorship resistance, adaptivity, and programmability. Censorship resistance means that no group or individual in the world can stop payments made on its network. Bitcoin gains censorship resistance by virtue of its decentralized architecture. Adaptivity refers to the ability for Bitcoin's network to become more secure as it stores more value. Its open source nature, which aligns the incentives of its global team of volunteer programmers with its own to ensure it is always up to date with state-of-the-art software enhancements and its ability to subsume features from competitors that have been proven in the marketplace. Programmability refers to the digital nature of Bitcoin and its ability to interface with smart contracts and other decentralized applications. As we have learned, the free market for money is a competitive environment that is shaped by continuous market-driven natural selection. As a competitor in this domain, Bitcoin is a superior species. And here we have a graphic, uh, a table with the traits of money um, and showing a, uh, a column comparing gold, government money, and Bitcoin, and just showing how Bitcoin manifests or demonstrates all of these characteristics of money uh, pretty much across the board better than government fiat and gold. The technology that is enabling Bitcoin to compete effectively in the market for money is also being applied to create new markets or disintermediate other existing markets. In technical parlance, the Bitcoin network is the world's first decentralized application. A decentralized application is a service that no single entity owns or operates. It is a new form of software and human organization that eliminates single points of failure, resists external attacks, and reduces the need for intermediaries. Decentralized applications are enabled 
by crypto assets. In the same way corporate equities serve companies and government bonds serve nations, crypto assets serve decentralized applications. Owning a crypto asset like Bitcoin is the only way to own a piece of a decentralized application, like the Bitcoin network. Technically, a crypto asset is a cryptographically protected digital token representing rights within an economic network. A crypto asset is, to a decentralized application, what oil is to an engine. It provides functionality and liquidity for the network and its constituents. A defining feature of crypto assets and decentralized applications, and arguably their most alluring, is their organic nature. They are not centrally owned, governed, or developed, making them highly resistant against censorship and manipulation. Bitcoin, the OG crypto asset, is superior in the market for money because it possesses all the ideal features of digital cash money and enjoys a market-dominant position by virtue of its serendipitous first-mover advantage, which is fortified from disruption by its open-source design and multi-sided network effects. With the invention of Bitcoin, the world finally has a synthetic form of money with a stock-to-flow ratio that is guaranteed to increase until it reaches infinity and an unstoppable permissionless payments channel. Its digital nature makes it saleable across space in a way never before seen, as it can be stored in the human mind and transmitted at the speed of light. The deep divisibility of each Bitcoin into 100 million Satoshis makes them supremely saleable across scales. Its informational and non-perishable nature, when considered in combination with its superior hardness, gives Bitcoin unprecedented saleability across time. This design makes it an impeccable store of value. Finally, by eliminating all intermediary control, which is inherent to government money, Bitcoin resists debasement, censorship, and confiscation. It removes the central banks, macroeconomists, politicians, presidents, dictators, and military leaders from monetary policy and payments authorization once and for all. The masterful book, which guided and inspired much of this essay, titled The Bitcoin Standard by Saifuddin Amas, sums up Bitcoin's historical relevance nicely. Quote, If the modern world is ancient Rome suffering the economic consequences of monetary collapse with the dollar our auris, then Satoshi Nakamoto is our Constantine, Bitcoin is his solidus, and the internet is our Constantinople. Bitcoin serves as a monetary lifeboat for people forced to transact and save in monetary media constantly debased by governments. The real advantage of Bitcoin lies in it being a reliable, long-term store of value and a sovereign form of money that allows individuals to conduct permissionless transactions. End quote. Bitcoin is a tool for freedom, as the most accessible asymmetric bet in history. Bitcoin is also a unique investment opportunity. Investing in Bitcoin. Investing is all about taking intelligent risks. As Daniel Kahneman, a Nobel Prize winning psychologist, describes it, quote, Intelligent risks are based on wide and voracious data gathering checked against gut instinct, while dumb decisions are built from too narrow a base on inputs. End quote. Bitcoin is often referred to as digital gold in reference to its hardness, self-sovereignty, and as an instrument for final settlement. Following this analogy, there will only be one digital equivalent to gold due to the winner-take-all dynamics inherent to the free market of money. And if you were going to bet on which one will succeed, you'd want to bet heaviest on the biggest due to its deep liquidity and multi-sided network effects. Most renowned due to its minority rule and the longest lived due to the Lindy effect. More on this later. As people tend to think by analogy, this comparison to gold mostly works well 
although it is incomplete. As we have seen, Bitcoin is a far superior monetary technology to the golden inert metal. Technologically, Bitcoin needs little to no protocol improvement to continue to compete effectively in the market for money. There are no unsolved computer science problems standing between Bitcoin and its widespread adoption. Therefore, its primary aim is to remain extant as digital cash money, hence its minimal level of protocol functionality and the status quo bias it exhibits in relation to governance. By merely existing, Bitcoin provides a gateway for people to opt out of the prevailing inflationary monetary order. As long as it continues to operate successfully in its current form, Bitcoin will function healthily as the stateless base money protocol for the digital age, which makes it a viable contender in the $100 trillion market for global money. Since it is still extremely small relative to its total addressable market, which consists mostly of gold and government fiat money, Bitcoin still has room to grow by orders of magnitude in both its network size and price. Like a call option, a bet on Bitcoin is asymmetric, meaning that an investor's downside is limited to 1x, whereas their potential upside is 100x or more. Should Bitcoin achieve a majority share of the global market for money, its level of demand will become far more predictable and steady, leading to a stabilization in its price. Investing in Bitcoin can be considered a bet on its adoption as an uninflatable, politically neutral store of value and as an unstoppable, permissionless payments channel. Bitcoin may also become part of a much bigger wave of innovation. Although the Bitcoin network and the decentralized applications it has inspired are poorly understood by most today, similar to the internet in the early 1990s, we believe that the world will gradually awaken to the paradigmatic shift that is underway for money and markets in general. The greatest wealth is created by being an early investor in innovation. Making such investments requires believing in something before the majority of people understand it, which also often entails enduring mockery, ridicule, and criticism for your non-consensus perspective. As Mark Yusko, one of my favorite hedge fund managers, describes the coming crypto era. Quote, Technology follows 14-year innovation cycles. These began with the mainframe in 1954, then the microchip in 1968, the personal computer in 1982, the internet in 1996, and most recently, the mobile net in 2010. As a result of the innovations introduced by Bitcoin, soon we will christen 2024 as the dawn of the trust net. End quote. The trust net can be thought of as the dawn of trustworthy computing. In theory, it will enable new technologies such as the Internet of Things, decentralized autonomous organizations, self-owning commercial assets, decentralized internet provisioning, decentralization of energy distribution, reputation markets, computing power markets, stateless identity, immutable media, AI-run organizations, token-curated registries, prediction markets, and circles of trust. This anticipated innovation wave is consistent with a multi-decade cycle of information technology expansion, consolidation, and commoditization. Bitcoin, as the original and driving force of this innovation expansion cycle, will likely function as the systemic core and base money system of the trust net. During this cycle, all markets that are enabled by this technology will likely rely on the Bitcoin blockchain as a common value system, final settlement mechanism, and temporal anchor point. A Momentous Innovation Bitcoin is a momentous innovation of the digital age. As such, it has many unique characteristics, properties, and capabilities never before seen in a monetary technology. Immutable Monetary Policy A predictable, transparent, and unchangeable money supply schedule. 
the most critical aspect to out-competing in the free market for money, as people will naturally come to favor the hardest form of money available to them, uninflatable money. Digital Scarcity Necessary to solve the double-spend problem and bring the speed and finality of physical cash settlement into the digital realm. Absolute Scarcity the only asset in the world which has an absolutely finite supply, like time itself. Global Final Settlement System A permissionless, unstoppable payment system with zero counterparty risk, like gold, only digital, that can be used to quickly and efficiently provide finality of settlement across scales and space. Self-Sovereign Network a self-sovereign monetary good, an informational bearer instrument, whose network operates autonomously in full accordance with its own immutable rules as reliably as the laws of mathematics. Stateless money. The first globally connected payment system that is politically neutral, possible catalyst for the separation of money and state in the long run. Revolutionary Social Contract Implementation A unique two-layer social contract implementation that decentralizes power among its constituents and creates a hyper-competitive market for its own network security, a new form of social institution. Global Consensus Perhaps the only truly objective set of facts in world history its distributed ledger is created by converting processing power into indisputable truth. Global energy buyer of last resort enables anyone in the world to convert excess electricity into digital gold on demand, a perpetual incentive for everyone in the world to develop more energy-efficient innovations. A new form of life feeds on human self-interest and electricity to provide uninflatable money, an unstoppable payments channel, and immutable governance. Adaptive security. By virtue of the mining difficulty adjustment, as more value is stored on its network, the network adapts to become more secure. Adaptive functionality. As an open-source software project, Programmers around the world are constantly improving Bitcoin's code base. However, it is up to the users to adopt these changes, which creates a governance equilibrium in which only those changes that are in the collective best interest of users will be adopted. Enables Bitcoin to subsume superior features from competitors that are market-proven, making it highly resilient to disruption. Programmability as a digitally native form of money, it can be used as a form of payment, collateral, or fuel for a variety of smart contracts, self-executing software, or commercial agreements. It can interface with other decentralized applications, could function as the core value system for the trust net, the anticipated wave of innovation triggered by the emergence of Bitcoin. Bitcoin has made a major impact in the world in its 10 years of existence, and it still holds a great deal of promise for the future. All in good time. Given its inextricable relationship with money and Bitcoin, the concept of time is worth exploring more deeply. It turns out that time's role in our lives, individually and collectively, is the key to understanding prosperity and the ways in which Bitcoin could play a key role. And that will close out the Bitcoin section of Money, Bitcoin, and Time by Robert Breedlove. Again, you can get all of this on parallaxdigital.io, and I tried to describe a couple of the uh, charts and graphs, but there were a number of others in this piece. Um, so I definitely encourage you to go check those out. I love the chart, like the table comparing gold, uh, government money, and then Bitcoin. Uh, and there's a couple of really great charts. There's one uh, that I just kind of skipped right over that breaks down the comparison of the size of the monetary market. 
of Bitcoin, gold, and then the fiat, uh, the, the entire fiat monetary market. Um, so that's always a great visualization. But unfortunately, I am, there's no way I'm going to be able to. Uh, I've been running incredibly long today, so much stuff recorded. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to do any commentary on this piece, which is upsetting because this, there was so much great stuff in this section. Uh, but we will be coming back to it. Uh, I'm going to do, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be tomorrow. Um, but sometime this week, we're going to jump into a Guy's Take episode because there is a lot of update around the Lightning Network and a lot of the technology and stuff and development coming to Bitcoin that I haven't covered in a while. And there's been some new developments, and I really want to break into that. So that is coming soon. Do not forget to subscribe to the show. Uh, I will have the show notes, a uh, link in the show notes to parallaxdigital.io to the blog so you can get this piece. And of course, to uh, Robert Breedlove's Twitter, Twitter, Twitter page, Twitter page, so that you can follow him on Twitter and uh, follow me as well at the Crypto Economy. And I have got tons of other great stuff coming at you for the rest of this week. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. I am Guy Swan. Catch you all tomorrow with another episode. And until then, take it easy, guys.